Yeah. I was so annoyed. So you got like, you brought some UFO big squeeze, but I brought Friday night on the way up to the rally. Yep. I, bought, I stopped at Market Basket and bought some, um, uh, what is it? Uh, grapefruit Sculpin. The one from... I can't remember it right now. It's their uh, San Diego, some brewery. It doesn't matter because we got there and like I had it in the cooler for like a day and a half. And then I was like, oh, now's the perfect time for those because it was like nighttime. We're relaxing. I went to grab one because I've been drinking like quite a few lately. Like I've been, I just finished like a six pack the other week mm -hmm. and I took a swig of it and I was like, what is wrong with this? And I look at the date. It was from, it was canned on July 6th, 2018. It was totally skunked. That sucks. Super annoying. Where'd you buy that at? Uh, the Market Basket in New Hampshire. I was on the way up. Like, I pulled up 95 on the first exit. Oh, at Seabrook? The old Market Basket. Yeah, that place is kind of... Uh, Ballast Point, I think, is the brewer. There. Yeah, but it was convenient, and they had a gas station there. Was it convenient? It was. Was it really? It was, because I got other stuff there. You got shitty beer, though. I They had Tall Boys of Rec League, which was really good. If you're at exit 1 on 95, for the local knowledge breakdown here... Um, you have to go to City. City Liquors. It's the one on the right-hand side. You come off the on-ramp. I didn't know it was there. Anyway, it's the one they have a ridiculous craft beer selection, and everything's nice and fresh, and they have their own beers there, too, that are oh, delicious. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was trying to do one-stop shopping, so I can get, get gas in the truck and get stuff for food, and then just head right up to Sunday River. Shady beer. See, you should have come and not hung out with the rally team. You should have come out and hung out with the spectating team, because we had... Uh, listener of the show, Steve Booten, works for Shebin Brewing. Yeah. And he brought us copious amounts of delicious, delicious double New England style IPAs. Yeah. See, the problem is where you guys stay, though, it's so far out of the way that I can't get back and forth to Sunday River. Yeah, it's out of the way of Sunday River. It's out of the way of everywhere. No, it's on one of the stages. Yes, but it's out of the way of everywhere. If you don't need to transit anywhere, it's fine. It's 10 miles from the road where you guys were. Oh, to get to the campsite, it was 20 miles from the road. Yeah. Yeah, on dirt at 10 miles an hour. That part is annoying, but it is one of the actual stage roads we were camped on. So for us, it was fine because on Saturday, we didn't even have to move. We just like walked to the end of the driveway and cheered on rally cars. I don't know what this 10 miles an hour you're talking about, but... Uh, you can the, the road to get out there was so rough. I was using the <clears throat> my father's Silverado. Yeah. And I was doing ten miles an hour. Oh, I guess. It we're, was we were bad. in a we were in a rental Jeep, so So you didn't care. No. Yeah. Uh I can report, um I mean I only right seated it, but a Y JY? JY Jeep, the new ones. Not a JY. Uh, They're all Y's the first letter. Y J? No, wait. It doesn't no, matter. T J Y J. No, Y J is the eighties Wrangler. It doesn't matter. TJ is the one after that. JH? No, it's a JY. JY. Maybe JY is the new one. JH is the last one. It's the brand new one. JK was the last one. JK. JY yeah. is the new one. JY. Dumb names. It doesn't matter. They're better looking than the last one. But they're still worse looking than a real Jeep. I. They're fine. Uh, I mean, it had really good power. It was just a rental spec one, so it had non-off-road tires. Was it even four-wheel drive? Oh, it was four-wheel drive. Okay. Um, some of the rental ones still come to wheel drive, no, at least the last drive, gen. But you really need something with ground clearance to clear those roads. It's not. Yeah. And it was funny. I ended up talking to one of the spectators. Um, he was like, kind of talking to me. He's like, oh, I remember years ago, like 
this like thing with like double zero triple zero trucks he's like they, it used to be like x rally cars would do that and i was like yeah well yeah, yeah. all the guys that did that are now older and they'd rather sit in the comfort of a big air-conditioned truck and they can yeah. still haul ass down the stage in it because giant trucks are like really good now yeah and handle really well yeah well, one of the sweet a couple of sweet vehicles one of them is that um v8 lexus suv with like the big air b bumpers and stuff on yeah. it he hauls ass down stage and looks like he's just not even moving in the car yeah. <laughs> it just floats over everything yeah. so anyway this is episode 150 of auto off topic oh yeah welcome to episode 150 of auto off topic uh turn a little different um so yeah and then like i can't confirm that yj or jy whatever the hell it is the new wrangler uh going up that road 26 through Grafton Notch, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, it's quite. Su- it handles surprisingly well uh, over those uh, those roads. Those roads are super fun in a car. Um, you can really haul on those, and then. Um, but yeah, so that's what we did this weekend. We we're up there at the rally. I went up Thursday night. Um, I did too. And then I met up with. The spaghetti iron oxide racing. Um, they had a house and for the crew and everything. So they set up for their service and stuff. And the rally doesn't start officially till like 1030 with Park Expose on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then the first stage is Conquer Pond. And the second stage is Conquer Pond. Oh, just to be fully pedantic? Yeah. Uh, JL is the new Jeep. The new Jeep. Okay. I knew it was some other thing. I knew it wasn't a YJ because that's a cool Jeep. That's a Wrangler, like a first-gen Wrangler. It's like but whatever. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Um, so they did the uh, – so Concord Pond, of course, is the one of the coolest stages in America. It's like four or five miles long. Um, and uh, it's got some rollers. There's a couple small jumps. There's one big jump with a big kicker. That's where everybody – camps out and watches yep. you can pretty easily spectate there uh it's definitely worth it to do it at least once because seeing a car jump through the air like over 100 feet is pretty crazy yeah i agree concord pond is worth it once it becomes hard when you're trying to see more stages because of its location but the i don't like the way they set up friday and i know why they do it and they've done it differently. They used to do it a different way in the past. Concord Pond would be the last stage. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's an unfortunate. And it um, makes more bad sense. Bad people ruined it. It makes more sense if Concord Pond was the last stage because it's closer to Sunday River and the yeah. service. Um, South Arm Icicle Brook is really annoying. And I like almost don't even want to go to those stages anymore because they're way out in the middle of nowhere. And something always happens and they take forever to get done. But that's part of the reason that we camp what we do. So we're closer to those stages. Yeah, and they're I they're not to me they're not very good to spectate. They're kind of boring, uh, and especially for shooting, there's not much to shoot on them. Yeah, we have a couple good spots we have picked out there, but so it's different. If you're spectating, if you're not taking pictures, watching the cars rip by at 100 miles an hour in a straight line yeah. is really really cool, but it does not make for good pictures. No, no, they're all. a little stoic. The pictures. Yeah, they're super super boring. Um, so in that essence, I don't, there's a lot of long open straights on that, and it's like super rough, so I don't really love that stage. A ton of people had offs. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I a think couple big offs. They started with like 80 cars, right? 
Almost 80 cars. It's like 74. 36? No, 51. Oh, was it that much? Okay. I heard a much lower number. Well, 74 to 51 is still a massive amount of cars. It's a massive drop-off, but I thought it was even bigger than that. Um, I was told that the roads, in some people's opinion, were smoother than usual. To me, they seemed exactly the same as every year. They're rough as hell. I I guess they were, like, marginally smoother. I don't know. I don't know. They seem they always seem super rough and they break cars and if you can just make it through the rally, you've won, basically. Uh there's a number of people that had nobody got hurt, um, luckily, but a number of people had massive offs and a couple cars were written off. Oh really? Yeah. What cars are written off? I didn't even see that yet. Um Wicked Nasty Motorsports, it's a G C coupe. The okay. orange and black one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh that thing is wadded up hard. Yellow CV, the yellow CVS, the yellow CRX, uh-huh. definitely hit super hard in the driver's side corner. I mean, it's an old CRX, like yeah, they probably just reshell it if you can even find one. Yeah, that's even worth it. Uh, it's probably trash. Um, there's a couple other cars. That silver 240 rolled. Oh, is it really? That was a really neat car. Um, crushed in the roof a little bit, blew mm. out the back window. The a 240 Volvo or 240SX? 240SX. Okay. Volvo finished. Um, yeah, one stage they were coming by, they had their uh, the trunk popped open. but Yeah. The BMW, the black 318 with the super loud exhaust. That was, that was an M3, actually. It was an M3 M3? Yeah. whatever it was. E30, E36 M3. Uh, it was, that was Aaron Brown and Brian Silvestro from, okay. like, Jalopnik Road and Track type okay. people. Oh, that car was fast, actually. They hit something and ripped the rear... Suspension out of it on oh. Sturvent, and it got dragged out. Uh, there was literally like, like at one point I was on Sturvent, and there was like four, car, like Sweet pulled four cars out. Mm-hmm. So huge attrition as usual. Um, but well, I noticed a couple of cars that didn't. I wouldn't see. I I didn't see them in day one, and all of a sudden they appeared in day two. So I figured they must have had issues early in day one. And didn't make it to the stages we were at, and we saw them in day two because they got stuff fixed. So yeah, I saw the Apogee car like once that Turbo three eighteen, the red one. He broke right in front of us. Yeah. So he was going through the chicane. He didn't even do the first two stages. He showed up in that stage. I saw him go by, and then never again. Yeah, he was. He went through the chicane, and he went to shift back into first gear, and the transmission just the transmission exploded. It's basically what happened. Hmm. It just wouldn't go back into gear, so he just sat off the stage for. The entire two running. Oh, so you guys were near the chicane? We're right at the chicane, yeah. Yes, that's boring. It was was a good spot, actually. Maybe for pictures it's boring, but they get really run that that stage in two different directions. And when they do the first part of that stage, they come by you like balls out full throttle, and then they have to get like hard in the brakes, and the cars get all squirrely going in the chicane. And it's really neat to watch. Oh, they go over the bridge right before the chicane. I don't remember the bridge there. So maybe think of a different chicane. I, just all chicanes are boring to photograph. The chicane is boring, but there was enough run up to the chicane that it wasn't a. The chicane was like the end of our sight line, so it was a nice fast run right past us, and then up to the chicane was the end of our sight line. So it wasn't bad at all. Basically, the corner that we just go to is the one that Ken Block rolled in because that's the only one that's kind of dynamic, right? But even then, it's getting kind of old, long in the tooth. Yeah, and then uh, well, twenty years of spectating the same rally. <laughs> Yeah, um, and the rally's not very scenic either. That's that's another kind of a pain. Well, it's a New England forest. It's just lines and lines of trees. 
Yeah, there's no... They just needed some stage with some sort of, like, vista to it. Yeah. Um, that would be super cool. Well, you you take the bridge, took bridge shots again this year, which is always a cool spot. Yeah, but that's getting blown up, too. Like, everybody... I took a bunch the year before, mm-hmm. and, like, everybody was, like, into it, and then, like, me and a couple other guys, and so now that's, like, super popular, and then the culvert after the jump i had a couple cool pictures there and literally i walked down there after doing the jump and there was like a million people standing there now oh really so it's like blown up like done and that was where on conquer pond the first day this totally drunk lady was like the most entertaining thing (laughs) so that's why conquer pond is no longer at the evening yes because there'd be a hundred of people like her so for those who are unfamiliar with you know, the New England Forest Rally and Concord Pond. It's probably one of the most iconic American rally stages right now. Um, it's just a super popular stage, super spectator-friendly stage, but it's on a residential road. So what was happening was the people who live there would invite all of their friends over early in the morning to hang out and have a big barbecue, and then everybody would just get tanked during the day. And by the time that stage was run, the stage used to be run at dusk. Mm-hmm. So it started with daylight and end and almost dark. But by the time it got to that time of the day, all of these revelers that were just partying all day long were out of control, and it was hard to police them. And there were some instances of you know beer being beer bottles being thrown at rally cars and big rocks being put in the stages and stuff that's just not friendly to the competitors of the cars. It's not good for the sport. Yeah. So now so they do it early now. I mean, there's some rallies now like STPR. You're not even allowed to drink at the rally. Oh, really? If they because people suck. Yeah. If you, they catch you drinking, they'll kick you out. That's annoying. Yep. Because I enjoy hanging out in the woods, having a few beers. Not to the level of damaging things, but mm-hmm. some people just can't handle it. Let's see. Um, yeah, that stuff is really cool. So, like, the fast guys, Higgins, amazingly fast. Always. Uh, Solberg, 17 fast. years old. Yeah. <laughs> Super fast. But, no, obviously he's been doing it since he was... Old enough to reach yeah. the steering wheel. Um, um, what the hell is his name? Irish guy. McKenna. McKenna in the fo- in the Ford. Yep, very fast. Uh, Lagerman in the. Ex- they, they were so there were three um, blue and yellow traditional livery Subarus. Yeah, which was neat. The only correct one, in my opinion, was Lagerman's car. Because it was an old. The Axel two, car. yeah, the two new Subarus. Are, I think the new livery on the cars is super ugly. It's really I never gross. saw one sitting still, so I didn't get to really look at it closely. But it's it's just a throwback to the original one okay. on Logman's car, but it just doesn't. They don't. It, does, it doesn't work on those cars to me. Mm-hmm. I like their original white, gray, blue livery and the white, gray, pink livery because you could actually tell who's who. Right. I could. Oh, the blue car. It's Higgins. The red car. It's either Pastrana or whoever else was driving for them. Right. Um, it was super easy to tell, and now it's just two blue Subarus. You're like, I don't know who that was. Yeah. That went by. Well, went by first this weekend, it was... Well, you had to go by the number. Yeah. Because uh, Solberg has beat him before, so... Yep. But I know uh, Lagerman actually, I believe, came in third, so... Oh, did he really? Yep. I think my car of the rally, though, was Duplicy's A86. Yes. Because that thing, well, he drives real fast, and it sounds real good, and it was just smooth all day. So he started a little further back, and every stage he was moving up, moving up. Eventually, moving he was up. like in fourth overall. <laughs> it, it was like he was like fifth or sixth overall, yeah. actually, when okay. he came through. Still, that's and, crazy. And um, I'm so bad with the names, but the escort, the rural drive escort, 
with the uh, V6 Burke. Burke. Yeah. This is why we don't do specifically rally recap. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to uh, give a shout out to Open Paddock Podcast if you want to get real specific about rally. I think it's Seamus, right? Seamus Burke? No. It's uh, it's his son. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I don't know what happened to them because they didn't finish either. They cracked their oil pan okay. on a rock, um, which is pretty common. Yep. That'll end your day. So, I mean, that car was really fast, and I think he was having a really good battle with uh, Duplessis. So, um, but Duplessis, I mean, he caught up. That car is all momentum because it's not really that fast of a car. Yep. And, I mean, he was hauling. We also got to remember that's his home rally, too. Like, he knows those roads. Like He doesn't even need the, state, the yeah. pace notes. Yeah. Like I said, the, the rally tall tale that I've heard is that one. there was one year where he was running Concord Pond and – his co-driver lost uh, their place in the notes and he started just calling the notes back to them to tell them where they were. Oh, really? Yeah. I that's, can see that. That's a, that's a rally tall tale. I was told. Yeah, it might um, be true. Cause like I said, he yeah, literally sounds lives true. there. So, um, and then of course, uh, former guest Dan Downey. Yes. First in open two wheel drive. Congratulations to him. Cause that's a big, uh, that's a he big was deal. very that's, fast. That's a big get right there. That's yeah. amazing. He's uh, dirty, dirty Downey racing. Mm-hmm. Look him up on the in- Instagram. But it was a uh, there was a lot of cool stuff there. The SA RX7. Yeah, I only saw that car once all weekend on one pass. Start twice. Um, I have a video of it. I'll show you afterwards. Um, it was super super good sounding. Yeah, because I hadn't seen it all weekend. I didn't know it was there, and I heard it coming through the woods, and I was like, "That sounds like a rotary." Yeah. <laughs> and then there was an Audi Quattro. Uh, a UR Quattro. Yep. Uh, like an ex SCCA car from back in the day. So that car actually competed at Pikes Peak in 86? As far as I understand, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Or 87. Well, it's funny. I saw it coming through, and I was like, I've never seen that car before. And I was like, it must be a period build, though, because nobody would take um, like a fresh, not race car, Quattro coupe now because it's worth so much money and turn mm-hmm. into a race car. That car is probably still worth a ton of money. No, it is. But what I'm saying is somebody wouldn't take a... Street spec car now and create it into a race car, but no. it was a race car back in the day. I could see still using it today. Yeah, I've seen a tribute car done, but I don't I haven't seen a, a rally car. Yep, um, that was really neat. Yeah, that car I was told too. It was from out west. Uh, had been in a warehouse since 2010, and then recently went through and brought back up to spec so they could run it. Yeah, it was and super awesome. They were running it pretty pretty hard. Yeah, they ran it pretty hard. Not super hard, but solid hard solid mid back. Um, then of course, Iron Oxide Racing, Speedy Golf. Yes. Uh, finished again. They finished again. Two times, two finishes. That's right. That's pretty solid. Not the fastest, but hey. it doesn't matter because you finished. There's so much attrition in this rally. Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, that's the other thing. So the stages are really rough. The heat was insane. Yeah, and the humidity was like 75%. Too. So it's like a super, I mean, the northern stages weren't as bad. It was definitely a lot cooler up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're like, that's part of, just, just the endurance of, of the event. Like people, I think if you were waste, if you were racing like wheel to wheel and you came in last, people are like, yeah, whatever. But if you finish a rally, and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, like just to finish a rally like this. Is a victory in itself. Exactly. Yeah. It takes a lot to finish a rally. It's it's like so it's more of an endurance of of man than or like woman. 
Yeah. Than um, like actually competing against other people. Mm-hmm. It's definitely metal testing. Metal like M E. T T L E. T T L E. Thank you for. There you go. Thank you for that. We're recording this episode late in the night, so. Oh, you know what else? I uh, for like two seconds, I got to talk to Cooper Auto Works. Their listeners are ours. Oh, it's the white BMW. Yes. Yeah, I was stoked to see him out there. That car sounds really good too. It does sound really good. Uh, apparently, they had to JB weld their oil pan back together after they cracked it. Yeah. Uh, and it had a massive oil leak and was just consuming oil about a quart every twenty-five miles. I was told. That's a lot of oil. Yeah. So they. <laughs> Well, it doesn't look like it's consuming oil if it's going to crack. It's actually just leaking oil. Yeah, so they they pulled over at the end of the very last stage, and I said hi to them, and they were popping the hood because they were filling it back up with oil to get back to, to Sunday River. Yep. And I was like, all right, it's really cool to meet you guys. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I understand why you can't stay in chat right now. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Cooper Auto, Work, Cooper Auto Works? Cooper Auto Works. That's yeah. their Instagram page, too, yep. I think. Yeah, I go give them a follow. They're pretty yep. cool. They came all the way out from Ohio, I believe. Yeah, long haul. Yep. There's quite a few teams that came from far away, and then all the local teams. It was an XR4TI, too, that made me kind of happy. Yep. At one point during the day, he lost his hood. I don't know if he's having cool overheating issues or not, mm-hmm. but that was a neat car. All kinds of stuff. I, I, I heard there was like a couple motor swaps in service. Overnight? No, like... Oh, midday, yep. midday motor swaps? Yep. Subarus, probably? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're easy-ish. Um, there wasn't anything really weird with, like, the top-tier guys. No, it was a pretty steady event. Yeah, they they were all real clean. Machines. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just, like, people, just the, the regular folk out there that had some offs. So, and, I mean, it doesn't really, like... You know, you need to drive quickly, but you also need to finish. So it is what it is. You got to find that happy medium. Yeah. Instead of riding the ragged edge, you need to like get to the edge and be like, all right, I can dial it back a couple of tenths here. Yeah. But it was a, it was a super cool rally as usual. Um, trying to think of anything else. Anything else that uh, really stood out? No, I saw a lot of moose. Really? Yeah. Really? I haven't seen... It's been two or three years since I've seen any moose up there. Oh, really? No, I saw five or six. Wow. Over the weekend, yeah. Cause I came in pretty late Thursday night because I didn't realize how far away our camping spot really was from I, here. I told you how far away it was. Yeah, well, I didn't, apparently wasn't paying attention. It's easily four hours. It's just shy of five. Yeah. But I left the house and I was like, oh, whatever. It's like a three-hour drive. Nope. Yeah, it was not. No, it's three hours to Sunny River and then... An hour and a half to the northern stages. And then another hour and a half into stage. Yes, into because it takes spot. a long time. And then a problem was, so I put my GPS to the waypoint. Yeah, and then it shuts off because there's no service up there. Uh, well, I downloaded the map so I'd have service, yeah. so it'd be fine. Um, so I came off of the road onto the, the dirt roads, and I'm just following along, and all of a sudden I came up on a gate. A closed, locked gate. Yeah. Um, apparently... GPS looks at the roads and is like, oh, this road connects to where you're going, but it doesn't look at, oh, it's a private road and it might be closed. So I was easily an hour and a half out of my way and I had to turn around and go back around. So here's so my initial arrival time would have been 1030, but I didn't get there until probably quarter of See, 12. So here's a tip next time. Throw your GPS way up there because it doesn't work. It did work. 
Other than that, well, G- like- GPS doesn't work up there. I'm telling you right now. You have to use maps. Wow. I made it there uh, with GPS. So. That campsite where we used to always camp, mm-hmm. you take the road that the main campsite is on, Blackbrook Cove. Okay. You follow that road all the way in, and it's off of that. See, we were on the opposite side of 16. Nope. I'll show you later. I I, cause I drove by the campsite, and I took a right to get into camp. No, you didn't. <laughs> 100% I did. I just did it yesterday. I'll, I'll show you. It depends on what direction you came from. Did you come from the main side or New Hampshire side? I came from Route 4, so New Hampshire. Route 4? Yeah. No, there's no Route 4 up there. 100% there is. No. Okay. Definitely this is, not. This is a bad argument because I just did these roads like literally yesterday. Uh, yeah, and I know these roads really, really well. But route 4 like, route four to 16. Route 4 goes through New Hampshire. It goes through... Um, I can't think of any, any of the towns off the top of my head right now, but it goes through New Hampshire and it meets up with 16. Okay. And then you're on 16. So if you if you took and a right, I was on 17 for a while. If you took okay, if you're on 17, yep. then you're on the main side. Okay. And if you come down 16 from 17, then yes, mm-hmm. you would take a right and head north. Okay. If you took a right hitting, uh, you're heading you're heading south and you take a right and head north. If you're heading north and you take a right, then you're gonna end up heading south. Towards like Fish Pond Road. No, because I, I was heading to I was headed towards uh, Martin uh, Cutoff, and that's where it was gated. And I had to drive down 16 to Parmigiani. This is super local knowledge right here, so yeah. we'll move on from this. Um, we'll argue off air later. <laughs> anywhere else? Uh, what do you got? Anything else? Anything else about the rally? Yeah, I don't think so. I echo all your same sentiments. It was a good time. Fun cars to watch. Good times. You made it to Misslewood too? Yeah, so I left camp this morning, like a little after 4 a.m., mm-hmm. just so I can get back down in this area to go do a few more things here. So obviously today was Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee. Um, so I stopped in there on the way through, met up with some of the regulars that are there. Uh, our buddy Jordan with his Datsun pickup was there with his new NOS from the box Datsun Fendemirs from the 70s. Mm-hmm. That was really neat. There was a red Diablo there, which is really cool. Um, and a lot of the same typical cast of characters, cast of characters that goes there. So it was good to see everybody. Uh, while I'm back in town for a little bit, the next Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee is the 18th. We decided it's the 18th of August. I know. I asked you. Yeah, it's the 18th of August, which is um, next month, obviously. So I'll actually be back in town again that weekend, um, for something else. But I'll be around on Sunday to go to that show too. So I'll be there. All right, cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so Misslewood was today. That was the main reason I rushed back down here. Yeah, so what What was super cool there? The Misslewood Concorde d'Elegance. Um, it was the 10th anniversary of the event. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they didn't have a featured mark. They had a featured restoration shop. Oh. So they had Paul Russell bring down a bunch of cars. Because big. he's a local big-time restoration shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so he brought down a... I believe there are multiple Pebble Beach winning. The 100% they yeah. are, yeah. Which actually it's... They, there was talk of them not being able to come down because they're because gr- Pebble Beach is literally next month. Yeah. Um. So they, it's awesome that they were able to like squeeze some time to stop getting the Pebble Beach car ready to come out and 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 show at at, at this show at our at our show, um, our show, my dad's show, I guess you can call it whatever, but mm-hmm. the, Be- the Beverly show. Mm-hmm. Um. So they had a two fifty a Ferrari two fifty California, 
mm-hmm. in a gunmetal gray, mm-hmm. which was stunning. That's the Ferris Bueller car. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a 300SL Roadster, which was beautiful. Uh, a Porsche 550 Spider Twin Cam, mm-hmm. which is like a holy grail of Porsche. Um, there was another 250 short wheelbase um, coupe. I'm not sure what exactly. Uh, this, I don't want to get it wrong. It's kind of, it looks like a 250 GTO, but it isn't a GTO. It's like a another 250. It's a 250 chassis with a short wheelbase fastback coupe. Yeah, and a, a convertible would have been a Californian. Which was also there. <laughs> they also Would have been, maybe they called this a Daytona because it was a coupe? No, it wasn't a Daytona. Before predates the Daytona, hmm. um, but the piece that they brought that was like the most spectacular thing I have possibly ever seen mm-hmm. was the Mercedes 540K. What is a 540K? That is the big, huge pontoon fendered like mid 30s Mercedes. Hmm. That's like the big exclusive, um, like the car that if you were a government official under an unfortunate leader, you would be you know one of the few people who could buy it. Oh. Yeah, the car is absolutely amazing. I've never seen oh, one. Here's a headline from just the Google search. Behind the wheel of a $15 million 1935 Mercedes-Benz 540 from, yeah. ha- from Haggerty. Yeah, there you go. Whoa. So that could be the car. That might even be the car. Let me click on the picture here and see which one it is. Was it a convertible? or? Oh, yeah. It's a convertible. It was that car. Wow. It's pretty ridiculous. $15 million. What? Yeah, that's the car that was there. So the one of the Haggerty articles is brown one. The one that was at the show is black. Um, it's, still, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, 5.8 liter. Like, it's an un, it's an unreal car. Unreal car. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, $15 million. Imagine $15 million. Is so it a fifteen like million dollar driving experience? So that was a five point four liter, one hundred eighty horsepower in nineteen thirty five. That's pretty fast. Yeah, it's a hundred ten mile an hour car in the thirties. Crazy. Like that's. I mean, it's. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. So one. So one sold in nine point nine million in sixteen. And then fifteen million is a little later on. But anyway, if if you do Mercedes five forty k and then you type Paul Russell right after it. That's the car that comes up. Um, it's the it's it's just I have never seen one. Did you <laughs> take pictures of it? I have a bunch of pictures of it. Yeah, yeah I'll be doing on Instagram. I will. I did one Instagram post already, which is kind of an overview of the Paul Russell collection. Um, and I'll be doing another one. I'll be doing a few features of a couple of different cars as time goes on. Um, I forgot my camera, unfortunately, but I did have at least my phone. Oh, to at least that's get some unsurprising. Pictures. Yeah, well, I was running around. I can't remember the last time you've remembered your camera. <laughs> I remember to bring it here from Arizona. <laughs> so I'm doing something, right? Um, what was the do you remember what the best in show was? Yes. No. 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 Okay. What was there for Lamont cars? There was a 1920 the 1926 Lamont winner was there. That's cool. That's a French car. Um, I'm going to have to look it up, unfortunately, because the name is something super obscure. Something super obscure and weird. Super obscure. It's the name of the driver who built the car. Is it like one of those like weird aero specials? Like no, because it's from 26, so it predates the Streamliners. It's a big pontoon vendored car. Huh. Um, it's a... Bah, 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 bah. Like a Le Croissant speed motor It is. It car. is French, so you're not too far off. <laughs> Lorraine Dietrich. Okay. Yes. 
1926 Lorraine Dietrich. Um, and the guy still participates in racing events with the car. He's the guy who owns it now. Does. Yeah, not the original. Not the original <laughs> owner, no. No, not not Lorraine Dietrich, the guy who built the car and raced it to victory in 1926. Um, no, he sends it overseas and does, like, Goodwood with it. Hmm. He's done the Festival of Speed. He's done the Goodwood Hill Climb. He's done the Revival. He's done, you know, um, laps around um, the Le Mans circuit for our Mans Classic. Circuit Lasarth. Circuit Lasarth, probably, yeah. He's definitely done... Stuff in California out at uh, Laguna Seca for the historics and car is absolutely beautiful. It's a big blue, French blue, French blue race car. So it's a 1926 Lorraine Dietrich. That's cool. It won, and the car that was there actually won the event. That's cool. In 1926. So was anything else that was like kind of weird, obscure? Yeah, and uh, I had all this stuff written down and didn't bring the paperwork with me, of course. I'm going to have to do a follow-up episode where I can talk about it or just put things on our Instagram page. Um, There was a couple of rebodied alphas. One was a 1955 Bonet. Um, Hmm. It has almost like a 63 Corvette split window look. Hmm. Um, It's a super typical of mid-50s, like, aerospace design. You know, the whole thing comes down to a point in the back, and it has, like, super round taillights that look like, you know, the jet thrusters. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Even though it was in two-tone, like, geriatric cream and black. Hmm. That's the color they painted it for some reason in 55. Huh. It still was a jaw-dropping, spectacular car. Hmm. Um, the Delahaye was there. That was a former Best of Show winner, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a 1926 Oops. Aaron's Fox pumper truck. Yeah. Like, fire truck. Mm-hmm. Um, it blows away any other vehicle from that era because everything on the truck is brass. Weird. And it's all highly polished. The huge pumper assembly on the front is absolutely amazing looking. Hmm. Um, I don't know anything about them because they're way outside of my realm of knowledge. Yeah. But it's super cool and I want to drive one around. (laughs) It's a massive vehicle as well. Like, absolutely massive. Um... There was another race car. It was a Renault, um, a 1906 Renault. It was a race car. There was a specific name for it, but being a race car, it's hard to remember the names of these Mm -hmm. stupid things. Renault. Yeah. It's gone. Um, But I had a cool video of them trying to crank start that to drive it across the awards banquet. That's cool. Um, There was a genuine 2.7 RS Carrera. Mm-hmm. That took you know, um, first place in the sports and GT, nineteen sixty to seventy two category or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I don't know if I've ever actually seen a real RS, like a rare RS, a two point seven RS. Yeah, I mean it's really cool car. And it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some other cool. Th- my my particular favorite car of the show was a bizarre one. It was a Beyond. OEM spec restored 1961 Chrysler New Yorker station wagon. Hmm. It was like the height of crazy Chrysler design. Had the canted headlights, big fins, like chrome everywhere, stainless steel everywhere, gold emblems. Yeah, was it like a letter car? No, it wasn't a letter car because they never did a wagon letter car. 
But it was, um, but it was based on the same chassis. Yeah, was the styling reminiscent though? Very reminiscent of it. So it's like the sideways canted headlights. Yeah. Um, the typical all the Virgil Exner design cues of the time. Hmm. Um, but it also had like every period accessory that was available to the car that was like documented came with this car, hmm. uh, including a record player. <laughs> it goes in between the front, like in, it goes on like the transmission hump, like hump in the front seats. Weird. Yeah, that's really cool. It's weird that. Well, I guess you said it was fully restored, so it wasn't like somebody kept the car. It was over-the-top restored. It yeah. was like the underside of the car was hmm. better than any Chrysler employee put it together in 1961. Weird. Yeah, it's a massive car. It was like 42 feet long. But <laughs> uh, I took a ton of pictures of it, and I'll be doing a post specifically about that car, huh. just because it was so bizarre and so wild that uh, I just couldn't couldn't ignore it. Uh, tons of motorcycles. Yep. Um, from Royal Enfields to Flying Merkles and everything in between. They put way more bikes in this year than normal. Hmm. So I think there were like 30 something motorcycles in the show. I mean, you might as well. They're small and don't take up a lot of space. Yeah. So they were able to put them, you know, the patio that's behind the big house that overlooks the water? Mm-hmm. They were able to fill that with motorcycles. Oh, cool. Which was really neat. Usually it's kind of a wasted space. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a, it was a, oh, I, best of show. I do remember. It was an absolutely spectacular 1936 Accord. Oh, okay. Now, Accord doesn't usually... An Accord. A 1936 Honda Accord. Yes. <laughs> no, an American manufacturer Accord. Um, Accord doesn't usually... You can't really say Accord, <laughs> man. That's annoying. <laughs> a car called the Cord doesn't yeah. necessarily come to mind if you think of a concourse winner. No. But this car was just so over-the-top restored and so well-presented. Yeah. That it just, it took the cake of the show. The problem with Accord is that it now looks like a cheesy kid car. Because they made so many fake ones? Yes. It's the same issue with having a real Cobra. Yeah. The first question anybody's going to ask you, is that thing real? Yeah. And that would be super annoying. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, the muscle car count was a little low this year. There were a few decent ones. Um, the Survivor Award, which is one of my favorite awards, goes to an unrestored car every year, mm-hmm. went to a 69 Corvette mm-hmm. that you would have sworn was restored last week. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was, again, uh, to overuse the word spectacular, it was spectacular. But and it, I'm not a big fan of third-gen Corvettes. I do like the early ones a little bit better with the chrome bumpers like this one had. Um, but this car, just being an all-original car, unrestored, original paint, original chrome, original interior... Was just so then nuts. it looked correct because whenever you see a restored Corvette, they're always super glass. overdone. They're glass smooth, yeah. Yeah. and when you see an actual original one, you're like, "Oh, these were kind of crappy. These were kind of <laughs> shit boxes." Yeah, like the GM build quality actually wasn't very good in 1971. Well, it yeah. was like a really bad fiberglass boat. Yeah, and yeah. like no, I'd say it was a good fiberglass boat. Yeah, but a good fiberglass boat is still would be a bad sheet metal car. Yeah, exactly. So. Inherently in fiberglass, it's all wavy, right? So yep. yeah, it takes. A, so people restore these things and they smooth they them out. They spend hours and hours and hours block sanding them, whereas yeah. when the factory built them. There was like, paint it, put it together, yeah, sand it down the river. Weird. So it was really cool to see because again, the survivor class is probably my favorite class, just because you get to see the car the way it was intended to be seen when it was made brand new. Mm-hmm. So you know that everything on that car is exactly as you would have seen it. Every time you see a restored car, you're like, man, I love the way the car sits, but it could be lowered. Or I love the way the yeah. door shut lines are on that car, but they could have spent more time doing it than GM did back in the day. Yeah, or, all right. So the car's not perfect, but it's perfect, basically, is what you have to say about that. A mm-hmm. um, couple other neat cars there. 
Just a couple of them, Maserati 2800 Superleggera. Yep. Coupe race car from 1955. Um, there was an Oscar race car, 1955 Oscar, um, that I actually saw in Arizona not that long ago. It ran the Copper State 1000. Oh, was that the one you had pictures of? Yep. It ran the Copper State 1000. Um, and I noticed at the Copper State that it had mass plates on it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's interesting. I should try to find the owner and invite them to the concourse if they ever bring it back to Mass. And I sent a picture of it to my dad. I was like, oh, check this thing out. It's got Mass plates. And my father was like, oh, hold on a second. And he went into his archives and looked up the pictures that they had sent him in their entry form for the concourse. Hmm. And uh, they had the same plates on it. So it was the same car. He was already entered in the Mass concourse cool. when I saw it in Phoenix. So that was cool. But yeah, it was it was a good day as usual. I mean, it was 98 degrees and 72% humidity. So it was a bit uncomfortable. But... It was a good time. It's always a good time. So I guess uh, we can throw this in project car updates. We have some project car updates. I have some too. Uh, well, we've been... So the car, the spaghetti golf ran pretty well all weekend. Um, yep. Still having weird electrical problems that we have to figure out. Specifically with the fuel pump. Yes. Uh, so my dad's going to come help us look at it again because it seems it's just super, super weird. And it doesn't make any sense. No. Um, so it's that big voltage drop when you crank it over and then not enough power to power the relay, to click the relay to turn the fuel pump. Yeah. On. But then, um, we did something to, uh, correct that for the rally, uh, and it should have worked every single time and then decided to not work a couple At times, random but times. not all the time. Yeah. So I was driving home. I'm like thinking, well, maybe the relays that came with it are just these super cheap Chinese relays and maybe one is bad or the vibration and the heat got to it and it's just acting strange or um, because I had the car running uh, when they were putting on the trailer today. uh, I was like, I just got to check this just so I don't go crazy. I had the voltmeter and there wasn't a huge voltage drop to the fuse panel while the car was running. Okay. So it was like, okay, all this stuff works normally. Why doesn't it work? Because sometimes the car could sit forever and it would start right up, and then other times it would not start, and it would only sit for a little. It's super weird. So it seems like the fuel pump is not always priming when you shot the car. Seems to be the problem. A fuel pump doesn't always prime every single time. No, but when the car's been sitting for a while is what generally is the problem. So... I've narrowed it down. We're going to have to check those relays. Or I'm thinking that the coolant temp switch is in not reading correctly. A coolant temp sensor. Uh, it reads correct like low temp, but it's possible that the high temp part of it is not working right. Because okay. it also says the car is running super, super hot. And we need to get an IR thermometer and check it. Because the fans, aren't, actually the, the fans aren't coming on either. But the scan gauge is reporting like 210 degrees. Uh, but the car doesn't seem hot or smell hot or act hot. Um, and then you can turn on the fan. And it'll definitely cool down. Uh, it lugs the engine a little bit because it is the the high-speed fan, so it takes some power. Um, but then the engine recovers. And that's the other thing, too. In the scan gauge, they thought the car was undercharging because we figured out that it's reporting, like, a volt under what it normally is. Okay. And, like, we had the car running, and the scan gauge would say, like, 12.5. And then, like, at the battery, at the terminals, it's got, like, 13.8. You're like, okay, it's charging. I don't know why the 
uh, scan gauge is underreporting. So they they thought it was like running low. They were going to change the alternator. I was like, nope, I guess we don't have to. Uh, oh, and then, so yeah, just those weird electrical gremlins. But they only had to um, jump the fuel pump like twice on stage. That's not too bad then. Um, yeah. It, otherwise, it's just it's just being weird, and we have to figure it out. Then there was the Mark III rack, his power steering, and they left a Mark II steering column in there, so it doesn't seem like they actually meshed very well. Yeah, they said the steering was a little wonky all weekend yeah, long. Yeah, it was coming loose. Which made them a little uncomfortable on stage, I think. And then the alignment is a little weird because the rear beam is bent, so they chewed up a couple of the front tires. Yeah, the car definitely crab walks visibly on stage. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I think the front, I was watching it, driving it behind it as it was going to the trailer, because we had to drive it from the house to the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the rear beam is definitely shifted to the passenger side. Passenger side, for sure. And then I think even though Jordan aligned the wheels pretty straight, because the rear of the car is tracking towards the passenger side, you're, compen- you're compensating with yeah. it, and it chewed up the outside edge of those tires. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a lot of tarmac transit, transit stage, too. Yeah. Um, they'll wear in eventually. It's not that big a deal, but kind of a bummer but the car finish is what it is, is what it's important yeah um anything else what do you got yeah i have some project car updates because i have the eclipse that we're getting ready to drive across country um unfortunately due to some personal issues with my grandmother's health we will not be making the trip across country this week to radwood which is super unfortunate mm-hmm. um but i still got the car ready to go on the trip um so i bought the car knowing it needed axles yeah so we swapped in a couple of new axles uh, right before the weekend away. Yep. Um, nothing real to report. It went nice and smooth, actually. Yeah. Thanks to uh, Andrew's axle swapping skills. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a rattle in the back of the car. Oh, my dad's double hammer thing. What is that? I couldn't get the axle in on the driver's side. And oh, that's it. right, too. I forgot about that. And uh, I never thought to do this. He took the dead blow and put it over the end of the axle, and then he yep. took... A uh, real hammer. A five-pound sledge and hit yeah. the dead blow, hit the dead blow to make into the, dead, the axle. Yeah. So you weren't actually hitting the axle with a, with a sledgehammer and damaging it. You were transferring the energy through the lighter dead blow. Yeah. And it worked, like, on two swings. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of a neat trick to learn. Yeah. That's, that's why it's fun to have your dad around doing these things sometimes because he has these, like, old-school mechanic tricks that we just haven't learned yet. Yeah. So that was really neat. Um, there's a rattle in the back of the car. Oh, yeah, this was that crazy rattle. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to suss this out with you right now. I thought the back of the car was falling off. So it turns out there was one caliper that was just missing a bolt. Okay. So that's the majority of the rattle. Yeah. Bolted the caliper back in, still making noise. Yeah. Made sure all the bolts are tight, all the bolts are tight. The driver's side caliper still seems too loose. Mm -hmm. Theory time. Yeah. Tell me if I'm crazy. What? If a rotor is worn too far down from spec... Will it not sit properly in between the pads and be loose? It's possible. Because I mean, the pads should come out to take up that space. Well, unless the piston only comes out far enough and it's not enough left. Because the rotor on the to, pass- a, to a point, the rotor on the passenger side yeah. feels really, really, really thin. Yeah. And like physically thin, thin in the back of the car. And I can take and I can shake it huh. when the car is, when you're off the brake. When you're on the brake, it's clamped enough to make the t- noise go away. So the noise is continuous, click, 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 and then rattle like crazy over bumps. Wait a minute. Wait until a minute. you push the b- brake it a little bit, and the noise goes away. You can move the rotor? 
Yeah. When you're off the brake. Uh, There's no set screw in it. No. The wheel should hold the rotor to the hub with the lugs, the lug nuts. Okay. Let me rephrase how I'm saying this. <laughs> yeah. The rotor is moving inside the caliper. So the caliper is probably actually moving, not the rotor. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, but the caliper is not... So, okay, let me rephrase this. So, so I don't sound crazy. Yeah. When the wheel's off the car, I can shake the rotor in the in the caliber. Well, yeah, that'll happen. But it's a lot when you're off the brake. Yeah, but that'll happen because... When the wheel's back on the car, I can move the caliper around a little bit and shake it on into the rotor. On the slide pins. It's not... But it's a loose on the slide pins. It's not like a slide pin should just be a nice, like, tight slide in and out. This is like I can take it and move it in five like directions. up and down? Up and down, left and right, in and out. Yeah, that's weird. It's almost like the slide pin's undersized or something. So we swapped slide pins. Yeah. And it's doing the same thing. It's weird. Just a bad caliper. I'd get a different caliper. You think so? I'd just, just try a different caliper. All right. Well, nobody stocks them locally, unfortunately. Nope. No, they don't. Yeah. But it seems, like I said, we're unfortunately not going to California this week. So we'll, uh, I'll, maybe I'll just get some calipers and that'll be a project later this week. Yeah. That's a pretty simple, simple fix. It is pretty easy to do. Yeah, might as well just buy two new rear caliper's work. They're like fifty bucks a piece. And while you're doing that, just just flush all the fluid out, the whole system. Yeah, it'll take. But that's that's an extra hour. That seems to be the rattle because if you click the e-brake up two or three clicks, or you just ride the brake pedal a little bit, it just tightens it up. Hundred percent, the rattle goes away. Weird. Nothing. It sounds like the car is like a brand new car. Huh. So, but yeah, at first we thought the pin was either worn, or maybe it was an aftermarket hardware kit. So we put pins in from the other calipers that were in the mm-hmm. in the backyard um which miraculously came right out hmm. those calipers look like they've been sitting in the bottom of the atlantic ocean they were basically sitting in a bucket and then wa- rainwater filled it up yeah but the rubber seals were still good hmm. so the slide pins were still loose inside that hmm. disastrous nasty rusty chunk of metal hmm. um, but i went through the whole rest of the bottom of the car and i just hit everything with my fist and anything that rattled and shook it's either now got a band clamp around it or has been tightened up or something stuffed up in between to make it not rattle hmm. anymore. So they can't be any more rattles. It's the only rattle left. Weird. Yeah. And everything else about the car is like top notch. car is actually in the body shop right now. I just went and looked at it. The body work is done and it's in primer. Cool. So the big dent is gone. Are you going to paint it? For now, I'm just going to go down to the paint supply store. And get a color-matched aerosol can, because it's only the lower part of the rocker. Oh, okay. And I'm just going to do that for now. And then eventually I'll paint the whole car, because oh. it's a couple of faded spots. Yeah, let me know when you do that, because I need some... I have the final seatbelt parts for the 75 Cadillac. Yep. I need... I tried two different colors to kind of get close yep. to the actual trim color. They're not close enough for my taste. So this particular place, it's like $30 for an aerosol can, but it's perfectly color-matched. Well, I can get the SEM paint. That's for interior. Mm-hmm. I think the Napa Red, I just want to see a can in mm-hmm. person. I think it's close to it. Well, they won't have Napa Red at this place because it's not a Napa. But No, no, it's, it's called Napa Red. Like the Oh, Napa, it's not like Napa the Napa store? It's like, like Napa like Napa Valley? Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> SEM paint, you know, the SEM interior paint, okay, yep. which works awesome. Yeah, it's a really good product. I if think you, they do stock that at this body supply If you store, use the, so. the prep uh, stuff for it on the plastic to clean it and then the mm-hmm. adhesion promoter that you spray on, oh my God, it works so good. Like it... It covered tan and black plastic. The same. The same. Yep. And I changed them, color changed them to like maroon red. Yep. Without them like bleeding through and being weird. So it probably should be Tuesday we'll be doing that because the car is in the shop still. Yep. 
Um, and we decided just tonight when I was over there looking at it, talking to the guy who's helped me do it, that we're going to do a couple more little minor things in the area before we're done with it. So Cool. Yeah. And then uh, my mom's beetle showed up, and it's super nice. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right, too. The yellow beetle is here. Yeah, she's really happy with it. So Yeah, she I'll, seemed pretty stoked on it. I'll, uh, I'll get it cleaned for her. Yep. And I'll probably take some pictures of it. And she asked me for an auto off-topic sticker for it. Excellent. Excellent. So. To get on the traditional ones because the yellow car. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. Actually, I have to give her a hundred bucks back because the shipping quote came, they give you like a worst case quote and it came to like a hundred yeah. bucks less. So. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I'm stoked on it. I'm glad it came. I'm glad they're happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad you're happy with it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a little bit nerve wracking buying a car for you guys. And then like, I'm worried the car is going to get here and then they're going to complain about it and it's going to be an issue. No, it's nice not that they're going to complain about it, but that it's not going to be... That my description wasn't good enough is no. basically what I was going to, my brain was thinking. Had a couple little, like, the, because Arizona doesn't rain, so, right. like, the passenger side wiper was, like, drooped down over the trim. Right. And it's dust and everything. Yeah. My dad was like, oh, I don't like that. We have to change it. And he changed it, like, right away. Yeah. Put the wiper blade back up. He literally just unbolted the wiper arm and moved it up a notch and bolted it down again. Yeah. Just like a little annoying but, thing. I mean, if that's the only complaint with the car, then I guess I did okay. <laughs> I think I did a pretty accurate job, pretty accurate job describing every you know little nick and mark on the car and the dent, little dent in the fender, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to make sure you guys got what you were what you were buying. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It uh, the shipping company was really good, yep. and uh, I, that's the third time I've used that company. Yeah, so I'll continue to use them because they have the best customer service I've come across so far. Yep. Um, but yeah. All right, cool. Anything else? Happy days. No, no, nothing new. Look, look forward to the next couple episodes. You might have some uh, rally driver reviews of the rally. Yep, that should be fun. All right, cool. All right, as always, you can follow us on uh, on Facebook, Out Off Topic Podcast, mm-hmm. Out Off Topic on Instagram. I am Race and Anger on Instagram. Brad, where can they find you? TSI SS three five zero. Yeah, look for rally coverage, missile wood coverage, all kinds of neat stuff. Everything coming up. in general. So keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Mm-hmm.